streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, April 16th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. We're pretty jazzed because the spring game is tomorrow. We have some football to talk about. Before we get to that, my man, how about Justin Fields, the baseball player? I mean, I feel like right now he could be like a Mike Trout type. I mean, I mean, Here's the thing about that. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, Chris Mortensen from ESPN reported the other day that one of the reasons Justin Fields is falling in the minds of NFL scouts is because him playing baseball recently has hurt his mechanics as a quarterback. The young man did grow up as a very good baseball player and football player. He has not played baseball at all since the year 2018. Here's the thing. Chris Mortensen, Jay Book, to me, has always been one of the best in the business. I think he um, I think he just made a mistake here. I think he was like getting him confused with Kyler Murray or something. Chris has had some health problems recently, um, not even recently, but like a couple years ago. I believe he had a stroke. Um, he's been through some cancer stuff. I just I feel bad for Chris Mortensen because I think he does things the right way. But man, that's bad. You're saying Justin Fields is falling in the draft because he's been playing baseball. I mean, that, that's just a terrible look. Yeah, I was. I heard that, and I about drove off the road. I was yelling at my radio, like, "What in the world are you talking about?" It's like somebody get him, somebody pull the plug. Like, no. <laughs> and he, he was. He really. He really felt like he had a doozy there, and he was bringing some knowledge because he went on to further elaborate, saying, "Yeah, Justin was going back and forth from uh, baseball and, and football at Ohio State, and." He was a heck of a, you know, baseball prospect, you know, coming out of Atlanta. He went to the showcase for top NFL prospects and going back and forth could have hurt his mechanics from what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm like, what in the world is going on? But I don't know where Chris Mortensen got his information from. But I tell you what, Dave, I cannot wait until the draft is over with and it comes around because the mistakes that ESPN continue in the the storylines that they trot out there about Justin Fields every week is just exhausting. I mean, you had Dan Orlowski coming out, had to backtrack and apologize because his sources said that Fields had questionable work ethic and may not love the game. And every and you've been around the team. Not one person at Ohio State has ever said anything about Ohio, uh, Justin Fields' leadership or love of the game. And then I have no idea where – uh, the other guy, Bill Kuyper's buddy, Tom Mache, come out and said that Justin Fields only had seven throws to his second or third option. And people are looking around like, what is this guy talking about? And you throw uh, Mortensen coming on saying that he has mechanical issues because of going back and forth with baseball. It's just exhausting. You would hope that ESPN of all places will have someone that's at the desk fact checking but 
It, it's going to Justin Fields is going to be a heck of an NFL player, but at the end of the day, a lot of these guys I think have really damaged their reputation with some of the nonsense they've been going on national TV spewing. Yeah, the great news, as you mentioned, man, we're less than two weeks away from the first round of the draft. We're going to find out soon enough. And if Justin does fall, you know, shame on the teams that pass on him, but that means he'll probably land with a better team. So bottom line is if Justin Fields has a great NFL career, we'll all be happy and we'll be making fun of the teams that passed on him. And I will be leading that charge for sure. All right, let's get into the spring game tomorrow. I cannot wait for this, man. I mean, I'm excited every time for the spring game, but... I think spring ball maybe usually like most years feels like it's a little bit like overrated, but I always get into the spring game and this year spring ball didn't feel overrated at all. Considering they got it ripped away from them last year, all the young guys on the team, all the question marks. Um, and I'm really excited to see this game tomorrow. Let's start off with the offensive side of the ball. Jonah players. You are very excited to see tomorrow on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I have two guys and I'm just going to start it in the running back room. My man Meatball, I want to see what, what the 2-8 guy uh, is going to look like because from all reports, he has looked tremendous uh, this spring. He's getting a ton of first-team reps with Master T kind of on the shelf, and they've been saving him. So I want to see what Meatball looks like because a lot of people said that he's he's been able to break off some runs against that first-team defense. The speed has uh, increased there, and then I would be remiss not to mention – the highly regarded Travion Henderson, and you're starting to see his name pop up more and more. He started off a little slow um, because it, it took him a while to get adjusted to the game, especially being out of high school football uh, for for over a year due to COVID canceling his senior year. And you're starting to see him really start to break out, got his black stripe removed. And I know a lot of the fan base, i tell you, Dave, if he breaks a run, we're going to have – from now until camp, debates on the on the front row message board about how Henderson should be the starting running back. All it's going to take is a, is a little wild moment before the fan base absolutely goes bananas with him. No doubt about that. All right, defensive side of the ball. Give me some guys you're really looking forward to see tomorrow on the defensive side of the ball. Your side of the ball, my friend. Yeah, I, I want to see with the highly regarded uh, defensive end Jack Sawyer is going to look like because uh, the reports coming out from his position group that he is an absolute animal. A lot of people believe he will see a lot of playing time this year. Five-star kid locally, another one who didn't play his senior year but has shown up to Ohio State with a business-like attitude. I want to see how he does. And then overall, not any specific players per se, but I just want to see what is going on with that secondary on the back end. Obviously, you're not going to have Cam Brown. You're not going to have seven banks out there, but make no mistake. There's still some younger guys that need to build off having a good spring. They need to keep uh, progressing forward. Have they made some changes? Are they eliminating the big plays? What's the technique looking like? Um, what what type of changes and fixes have Kerry Combs implemented this spring with that secondary? So that's something I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on because we're only going to go as far as we can go if the secondary is not fixed. We'll out-athlete um, almost every team in the Big Ten, 
But once it comes to the big dogs playing in the playoffs, if that secondary is not fixed, it's going to be a problem. So I will be keeping my eyes on that back end unit just to kind of see how they're flying around and how they're performing. We got a chance to speak with Brian Hartline and some of the wide receivers yesterday. We also got a chance to speak with Parker Fleming, the new special teams coordinator. I'm very impressed with him. Very impressed. Uh, but I do want to focus on Brian Hartline and the wide receivers. Man, I have followed Ohio State football for a long, long time as a fan, as a journalist. I, I do not remember a better wide receiving core than this at Ohio State. And, you know, we've seen some really good ones, but I still can't believe Chris Olave came back. I think, you know, I think uh, seeing what happened with uh, Donovan Smith at uh, Alabama probably helped Ohio State, even though they, they got the, the bad end of the deal there in the national championship game. But Chris Olave coming back, even if he didn't come back, this would be a, a really good wide receiving core, Jay Book. Chris Olave coming back, Garrett Wilson, absolute two superstars, two of the best wide receivers in the country, Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, on and on and on, Marvin Harrison Jr. Mekeg Buka. I mean, this I'm just so excited about this group. And they're coached by, in my opinion, not that I've broken down every wide receiver coach in the country, the best wide receiver coach in the country, and the best recruiter in the country in Brian Hartline. And I would encourage everybody listening to this show, go to Bucknuts. It's free. You can watch our video with uh, Coach Hartline yesterday, his entire press conference and our story. But Jay Book, this wide receiving core, I could not be more excited about it. Yeah, it's a an impressive group of skill position players that whoever wins the quarterback position, they're being given the keys to the Lamborghini or the Porsche, however you want to describe it, because that is an ultra talented, probably are, I will argue the deepest wide receiver room in all of college football with Alave coming back. And the one thing that you really like about those guys, when you talk to them and listen to them interact, it's all about the unit. It's all about the zone six unit. Those guys, even though they're competing amongst each other, they really push each other. And the thing that you really have to appreciate about that is that's the culture that, that Brian Hartline has created. Um, he has set the tone for that unit to say, hey, in order for us to be great, each one of you guys need to push each other. And you're seeing it from the incoming freshmen, wide receivers, where Hartline has said all of those incoming freshmen guys, they are immensely talented. They are showing up to practice early and they are staying late and they're getting that extra work in with the jugs machines. They're working on their route running. And when you have veterans like Olave and Garrett Wilson setting that tone, it trickles down. And what you what you have, Dave, is it creates a culture, a long lasting culture that will be handed down from player to player because Ohio State, they're going to continue to recruit highly regarded freshmen. And whenever you have these high end blue chip high school All-Americans, sometimes, especially at the wide receiver, some of them come in with a little the attitude that, hey, I was a high school All-American. I I had, you know. 3,000 yards receiving in high school. But these that's not what you're seeing at Ohio State. You're seeing these guys coming in ready to work. They're being pushed. They're staying humble. And at the end of the day, when the next group of kids come up, they're going to work the same way because they're seeing their peers who are ahead of them working just as hard. So if you're coming in as a younger guy and you see the older guy working his tail off, you better fall in line because if not, you will be exposed. 
Last thing on the show here, I want to get into linebacker transfer Henry 2020 or Henry Toe Toe. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Do you know how to pronounce it, my man? <laughs> Tutu? <laughs> Tutu? Henry Tutu? Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. I haven't I haven't heard a game live where an announcer had tried to pronounce this, but everybody knows who we're talking about the Tennessee linebacker that entered the transfer portal who is out of this world good. Yeah, man. So, like, what do you think is going to happen here? Is it as simple, Jay Book, as if it's down to Alabama and Ohio State, it sounds like to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then also it sounds like if the SEC waives its rule where you cannot make, you know, transfers within the conference without sitting out a year, even though the NCAA has now said, I don't want people to get confused here. Now the NCAA has said, you know, there's the one-time transfer rule. They have approved it. We all knew it was coming. Or you can transfer and not sit out a year. So if Henry 2020 or Henry Toho, Toho, however he pronounces it. Henry, if you're listening to the show, we'll learn how to pronounce your name. Just be a Buckeye. Um, we'll definitely learn how to pronounce your name. If he comes to Ohio State, he's, he'll be eligible right away. If he transfers within the SEC, right now he would not be eligible right away. And he says he's only going to transfer if he would be eligible right away. But there's a lot of smoke out there, Jay Book, that the SEC might lift that rule. What do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, I've been hearing the same thing. Um, he's supposed to be visiting uh, schools come June, I believe his family has some things that they need to take care of um, for these next couple of weeks, and he's going to start hitting the road and visiting some of the schools. So you expect Ohio State will definitely get a visit from him, and they'll roll out the red carpet. It's going to, if he does decide to come to Ohio State, it's going to be a crash course right away to to get up to speed. Um, but I I do think it's going to be contingent on. Uh, what happens with the SEC because the the time crunch is getting shorter and shorter. He's going to need to make a decision sooner rather than later because he needs to get on campus, get enrolled, and start working on uh, learning the playbook. And if the SEC drags this out, then you would think he's either going to have to stay in Tennessee, come to Ohio State, or look potentially closer to home in the Pac-12. But nobody knows what the SEC is going to do. I, you know, listen to Paul Feinbaum. There's some coaches that are uh, really against this. But right now, when it, it's a bad look for the SEC if the NCAA of all people say, hey, the kids can do this, but you're still restricting them. If other conferences open up the gates, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the SEC. The question is, when will they make a decision? They will have no choice but to lift this rule, but it's just going to be a matter of timing. When will they do it? And if it's if it's going to drag out um, when it comes to the SEC, I can easily see him uh, eliminating Alabama if he's hell-bent on making sure that he can be eligible right away because his coach, or I'm sorry, his father has said that, you know, Alabama was one of the teams that he really considered coming out of high school but it's very important for him to be able to play right away. And Ohio State will provide him with that opportunity. But either school, when you're talking about Ohio State and Alabama, these are two highly regarded programs with top-end recruits there. He is just not going to be gifted a starting position. Anything uh, that he gets, he's going to have to earn it on his own. And I can tell you, those young linebackers at Ohio State that's been working their butts off, they've been waiting for their shot uh, at that because, you know, Ohio State has been loaded with upperclassmen at the linebacker position. They're going to fight tooth and nail. They may not be happy that he's there. They will embrace him as their brother. 
but they're going to fight him tooth and nail for starting starting time or playing time on the, on the field with this defense. But I do believe he is an awesome, awesome prospect. He will he will really help any defense that he decides to join because he is one of those pure Mike linebackers that sees ball, get ball, and he is a he is a devastating linebacker that can make a lot of plays. And we don't know what we're getting from this next wave of guys at the linebacker position. I think he I think he can really help this defense, but at the end of the day, a lot of these younger guys at Ohio State have waited their time. The question will be if he does decide to join the Buckeyes, how would that affect those younger guys? I don't know. That's going to be that's why those coaches are paid the big bucks um, to make those decisions and finesse those type of emotions from their kids. But we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with the SEC before we get more details. But the first order of business for Ohio State is don't worry about what's going on down there in the South. Just get him up on campus so that you can really roll out the red carpet if you're indeed wanting this kid to be part of your program come the fall. Great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. You're really good at this, Jay Book. This is why I bug you every Friday morning to come on the show. <laughs> you're too, I you're appreciate too, it, man. <laughs> you're too good at it. So thank you to Jay Book. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. We appreciate that very much. Enjoy the spring game tomorrow, Bucknutters. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.